Hello everybody, welcome to Lessons from the Top, a podcast that aims to inspire and educate the next generation through inspiring stories from successful people in entrepreneurship, finance, and politics. We are honored to have with us Drew Dorbiller, who is a managing director at IJW Co., a Montreal-based boutique investment bank with offices in multiple countries. He has 39 years of experience in business valuation, corporate finance, and litigation support. He testifies as an expert witness in 38 cases and is a leading evaluator of professional sports franchises. Drew has given interviews in international media, speaking at conferences, and authored articles. Mr. Drew Ruler, thank you for being on the podcast with us today. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. So amazing. Hey. Let's get things rolling here. So, well, first off, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well. You're catching me in uh, Chicago, Illinois, where uh, my, my hometown Hmm, interesting. Um, so c- can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? You know, um, what projects are you working on right now? Um, what occupies your time? Um, what uh, what you're working on with your business at the moment? So, yeah. um, Certainly. So what I'm, um, I, I, I could give a long and <laughs> hopefully interesting background, but currently what I'm doing, as you mentioned, I'm a managing director at a Montreal-based uh, boutique investment bank, IJW mm-hmm. and Co., and I head up our valuation, business valuation and litigation support uh, practice. So what, uh, and, I, and again, I love what I do. It's, um, you know, business valuation. It's, it's, it's essentially finding what's the fair market value, what's the price of a business of, let's say, uh, maybe a, a percentage ownership interest in a business. Um, also work a lot with intangible assets, uh, intellectual property, coming up with the value of that. Um, and then the litigation support piece. I work uh, I, as an expert witness. I've testified uh, 38 times globally as an expert witness, again, in my field, in, uh, in let's say, finance and, and valuation, including uh, in 2018, I testified as an expert witness before the Parliament of Canada for approximately two hours on the my views as what the appropriate regulation of blockchain and cryptocurrency should uh, should be. Hmm. So that's really what I do. And the final thing piece I'll add is that uh, in my practice, the other part of IJW, because we're an investment bank, we're active in mergers and acquisitions. And so Many investment banks, they don't have, in my respectful view, strong competency in valuation. It's very difficult for for them, for private businesses to come up to an accurate and a defendable value. So, you know, people like myself, uh, CBVs, uh, chartered business valuators, that's our bread and butter. That's what we do. So the fact that I'm in an investment bank, um, I, I, I quite enjoy when my colleagues are working on deals, buying and selling companies. They'll call myself and my team in to help them price the business. And then if it comes to it, you know, help with the negotiations. Hmm, very interesting. Um, you know, so you, you've testified uh, as an expert, expert witness in 38 matters before uh, various courts and arbitration panels. Um, what are some of the important lessons you've learned from those uh, legal experiences? And how can young people learn from those lessons? Well, some of them, they sound basic, but again, this is stuff that, uh, you know, in all, in all my, uh, in, in my career, I've seen, um, I've seen people crash and burn because they don't follow certain lessons. One is always be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and look again, what I do, I mean, you know, we, we, we have budgets, we quote to clients, we bill on time. So there's an immense pressure 
um, not just my firm, but really all my all my peers, all my competitors, to get work out, and it has to be accurate, and it has to be on budget. Um, that's a huge challenge, and so it's easy for professionals to cut corners. Um, you know, say have all give all the work uh, to juniors, which is fine, but you don't properly review it if you're uh, managing you know, managing the file. And that can come and bite you, especially in court, because, you know, you're on the stand and you're being cross-examined by another lawyer on the other side with an ex- very likely an expert, one of your competitors, who's gone through your report, found all the, you know, if not mistakes, um, areas where they can question you on. So if you um, aren't well prepared, you know, and, 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 and in fact, if you don't put the necessary time in to begin with, um, your credibility is shot and you probably, uh, there's a very good chance that it's damaged the case for your client. And along that note, the other thing I would, um, piece of advice is always be honest. I've seen sometimes experts mistakes have been made and sometimes you just have to say I was wrong or I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. And conversely, I've seen people try to scramble and try to cover and make excuses or maybe <laughs> lie, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, if that doesn't work, it usually doesn't. Your credibility, we all make mistakes, but if you're trying to scramble and cover it for yourself by lying, I mean, your credibility, if it, if it wasn't hurt already, it's completely gone then. Yeah, especially like in, in a legal matter, you know, you can't really lie. It's it's it's, it's super damaging for both sides. And, uh, you know, when it comes to curating your team and the workers you have at your bank, do you think that um, the, the values uh, of, you know, honesty and being on task and being on time, you think those things are thought uh, throughout the process of uh, hiring new employees and having uh, new people work at your bank? You think it's it, it's. Okay, so basically, do you think it's a hard task to curate the team that you have? Um, it it has been. I mean, certainly, um, you know, between hiring and even you know retaining uh, employees. Uh, I mean, I, I I know these days it's it's harder than ever. Um, you know, it's really a, a, an employees market. But even in I'll say more normal times historically, I mean these are these are competitive positions. They're very demanding. They're not for everyone. So you know, some people they're not willing to put in the hours or they they don't play nicely with other people. You know, they, they play politics or they have attitudes. And sometimes that works. Um, in, in our in our firm, it doesn't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to say our team. Um, and it's rare because, again, I've worked a lot of other places in the U.S. and Canada, some big, some small. And, you know, politics, they're, they're often unavoidable. But in our, I like to think our team, um, the people get along very well. And... That's something that, yeah, it is, I think, due to our, hopefully, our leadership and our curation. Mm, yes, it's, it's good for longevity as well. Exactly, exactly. And over the years, uh, you've given many interviews and spoken in a numerous conference. Um, I was wondering, if it is this still scary at this point of, you know, your career? Is it scary? Were you scared the same amount you were at the beginning and now? Um, not, not, is it still scary? Um, yes, initially. Um, am I scared the same amount? No, not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite used to it. Um, but you know, you always get to varying extent, the jitters, um, it's a little more scary going to court, you know, that cause, cause giving interviews, you know, generally it's something familiar with, I can, 
you know, do with my eyes closed. Um, it's my presentation. Um, in fact, I welcome the challenging questions at the end of a, you know, during an interview, at the end of an interview of a presentation, say at a large conference. Um, you know, even I've been on TV and radio throughout North America quite a bit. Um, but yeah, the more the more nerves, it's before going to court. You know, because again, you don't know what you're going to be asked. You could be asked everything, and you know, it's uh, yeah. You know, that's in, in, in terms of nerves, they're a little more prevalent then. But I love testifying, so it's not you know so far so good. And what are you know some of the most valuable pieces of advice um, you can share with the young people when you get you know. For um, advice in terms of, I mean, interviews or just yeah, or, interviews or, or going on, uh, talking uh, with a lot of people. Um, well, I, I, again, um, you, you know, much like when, when I was saying going to court, um, you know, also an interview. I mean, it's it's an interview, and I'll say slash uh, presentation. You know, um, I mean, younger people they've probably presented a number of times to to a class. You know, I don't know if. Sometimes they may have experience presenting to larger audiences or not, but I'll tell you, it's a whole nother thing when you get on stage and there are uh, several hundred people, you know, in fact, the people in the back of the room, they're kind of fuzzy because they're pretty far away. There's just a lot of people um, or, or on, on television. Um, you know, that, that's something different entirely because uh, I mean, there's, I've, I've been interviewed a number of ways in television outside uh, with a reporter holding a, um, a microphone. But a lot of times, if you're ever interviewed on TV, um, you're in a dark room and you're literally staring into the black. Maybe you'll see like a light, a red light at the end of the camera. And you have absolutely no idea how you look. I mean, if you're making weird faces or grimaces or look surprised, um, you, you have to work through that. And the point I'm saying with all this is no matter your audience, um, during an interview, during a presentation, again, be, be prepared as you can. Um, you know, be comfortable with your material. Um, if it's something you're not comfortable with, I mean, perhaps decline the, uh, the interview. You know, if it's something completely just, you know, they're putting, you know, you don't, you really don't know fully what you're talking about or you're not comfortable with all aspects of it. It should be a fun experience and it'll show it's genuine. If it's something that you, you're, you're delighted to be interviewed, you're pleased to be talking about the subject matter, you're knowledgeable, you can roll with the punches. And finally, um, I've had questions in interviews um, or, or at the end of conferences and somebody will ask a question. And again, just like I was saying in court, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I, I don't know, or that's a really good point. Or I'll, you know, I haven't really considered that. It's, you look like a, you're a more respectable, credible person in an interview. If again, if, if you're able, you're, you're, you're a big enough person to say like, you know what, that's a great point. I, I, I don't know, or I'm going to have to happy to get back to you or, you know, whatever we can take it offline versus somebody like, Oh, I have to know it all. And they're going to think I'm stupid if I can't answer, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's my advice. And in your view, you know, what is the most important thing that young people should know about the world of business and finance and just, um well i'd say for business and finance for one thing is um again starting out you gotta you gotta work hard um i mean one thing look i've we, 
I, I, I was fortunate enough. I had great mentors. And as an aside, you know, try to find a good mentor or leader, or even if it's not something formal, just an inspiration. Like here's somebody, they're a number of years ahead of me. I admire them. It doesn't, you, you don't even have to tell them, but you know, if you can, uh, you know, the, Hey, like you're, you're actually a mentor and maybe you don't know it, but find an inspiration, find a role model, but going, but going back to, um, you know, whether you have a mentor, a formal, informal, however it works, you got to work hard. You got There's no shortcuts. And so many younger people now that I'm on, on, let's say more experienced now that I'm in charge with managing and hiring people, um, those that really stand out, they're passionate. They love, it's not just a job, it's their calling. They, they love what they're doing, um, especially in finance. It's demanding. And look, if, if you don't love it, there's no problem. There's other, there's many other things to do. There's many other ways to make money and fulfill yourself. Um, but in finance is highly competitive. If you're not putting in the hours and the work and the time that's required, which are significant, um, somebody else is going to eat your lunch. So you got to be willing to do that. And how can young people um, be, you know, ready to face the challenges and opportunities that, you know, are ahead of them? You said about like, you know, working hard and knowing your thing, but is there more to it? Um, well, I would say in terms of being more to it, one thing is um, that comes to mind as someone you know, engaged in hiring, we understand if somebody's you know, like, you know, out of school, maybe they have great grades, but there's no experience, uh, which happens a lot. And that's fine. You know, that that's you. But to put your, I always say, try to, to, to candidates or to younger people, try to position yourself ahead of others. Why, why should I hire you versus all, all these other people with similar grades? That's a key thing, a very key thing to keep in mind. Um, what can you offer? And that could be, hey, you know what? I have good grades, many other people do too, but I, hey, I've, wor I've worked, I have this internship I've worked in, or I have this experience, it's really relevant. And I can, if I can't fully hit the ground running, again, if I'm you know, young, you have to start somewhere. But if you can say, I, I do have this experience, whatever it might be, um, you know, that, that really helps. That helps you stand out. That helps you win the, uh, the position. So you're saying like um, over the, well, after you uh, stop school, I feel like you need to get experience to, like you said, uh, go out, out there. And uh, I feel like experience is what really one of the things that are going to stand out of everybody. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In fact, um, speaking like, like, um, specifically to my firm, you know, we do hire in interns and it's competitive. I mean, you know, typically we'll hire, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll interview like many, many times, um, the number of candidates, you know, uh, um, the, the, you know, we eventually select only a few for internship roles, but, you know, I just know working with the interns and speaking with them and following their careers, um, those internships, that gives you experience. So you don't have to like sit and graduate and then do nothing. It should be quite the opposite. You should, um, you should do your very best. And I did that myself when I went to school. I took nine months off um, and, 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 and worked in Boston at an internship at a bank. And I think that really helped me down the road you know, with my next full-time job after graduation. I strongly suggest, again, whatever you're doing, whether it be finance, um, finance, investment, banking, valuation, get that internship. Um, 
because that will then tell a prospective full-time employer after you graduate, it will um, say, okay, this person, they, um, you know, they, 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 they did such, they accomplished such and such in an internship. Um, You know, they've learned this experience will then help them, you know, um, hit the ground running with me, that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, as I mentioned before, um, we all, you know, including at the at the top, we have tight budgets, we have time pressures, and and I love training people. You know, a lot of people in my firm love training people, but the worst thing is you train somebody and they they don't work out. You know, or you don't want to do too much training. I mean, you know, you don't want to have to teach someone how to use Excel, for example. I mean, that's <laughs> that ain't gonna work. Yeah, I think that's it's an amazing way of seeing it because like um, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they go to university and then they graduate and then they don't get accepted to like the first like, five jobs that they apply for and then they think it's over for them. So they give up. But I think it's there, there's many other ways of getting accepted to those high paying jobs and to actually be successful um, by going out and getting experience. Um, you know, that, that applies for investment banking as well. But for every other industry, yeah. there's so many paths you can take after school to actually be more credible and stand out from the majority of people. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, um, well, let's, let's talk about something different. So, you, you know, you, you've worked with, um, professional sports franchises, right? And uh, yep. proper, yeah, properties for many years. So what are some of the biggest challenges facing the sports industry today that you can sort of, um, see from your experience and, you know, what, what advice would you have for young people that are interested in pursuing a career in sports managing, like managing a team, uh, managing a board, something like that? Well, um, I'll start with the advice, and then I can I can segue into some of the big challenges um, mm-hmm. just with with the industry. So, um, yeah, advice. And again, I've 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 given this advice and seen seen some younger people uh, follow it. But again, it's it's similar to investment banking or you know law or as, as you identified, you know many other uh, areas. You know, you gotta internships are great. You know, professional sports teams. The back office, back office, front office, you know, the, let's say non, non, non-athletes, um, they're, they're often a lot thinner than you would think. And, you know, budgets are tight there too. So they, they need interns. So internships, and it could be low paying, you know, maybe non-paying, it, it really depends. Um, if you're really dedicated in this industry, you know, you'll, you'll um, you know, ambitiously approach teams and or leagues i mean you know national hockey league uh, nfl whatever the league might be mls um approach them for for uh, for internships also media i mean i've seen people do that um sports media i do a lot of work with forbes i've i've worked on their uh sports franchise valuations the past 27 years and um, you know, I've seen, I've seen people intern at Forbes magazine or maybe intern in sports desks of uh, radio and TV stations just to get that experience um, and kind of meet a few people because especially in sports, it's really about connections. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to, I'm not saying you have to meet no Wayne Gretzky, but I'm saying like if you work for somebody as an intern, you know, very modest, you worked hard, you know, modest job. Hey, you're in the door. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things in any thing. Whether you're an intern at, a, at an investment bank, whether you're uh, an intern at a at a sports uh, sports business, or maybe a new graduate, you know, be again. You, you got to be realistic. I mean, just get your foot in the door. That's huge. And once you're in, 
you know, then, you know, then it, then it's, it's up to you to succeed. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, again, you have to have realism and modesty and just focus on, on, on getting in somehow. It's very competitive. A lot of people want to work uh, in the sports field. Yeah, super competitive. Yeah. Um, but in terms of some of the challenges in uh, prof- um, facing professional sports these days, I mean, um, some sports, not all, but many of them, uh, they're facing difficulties attracting younger um, uh, younger fans. You know, I'm thinking in particular uh, CFL here in Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, um, you know, Major League Baseball. I mean, th- those are two that, um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to, wither and die but i i can tell you you know as well as at the league level and team ownership level um that's a huge concern and and you know and 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 other other sports as well too i mean just in general you really want to develop um you know a, a turnover new generation of fans fan engagement and one thing that's actually interesting is and, and, and perhaps listeners interested in sports you can um, you can take this this like strong word of advice uh, because I do work with a lot of teams and you know leagues and and such you know around the world and uh, in the UK and Europe as as well as um, here in North America um, many sports uh, clubs teams they um, they they desperately need social media engagement and I'm, as we all know it's no surprise. That's a great way to reach younger fans, mm-hmm. and it it's not being done. Maybe a few um, of the largest, most wealthy clubs are, but it's the exception rather than the rule. I mean, so many, so many uh, sports teams, franchises, they're just not doing it, or they're paying it lip service. And wow, I mean, maybe that's. I'm just putting the kind of last two things I said together. Maybe that would be an ideal way for somebody as an intern or a new graduate to pitch yourself, say, Hey, you know what? I'm really um, savvy with social media. I have some a great, you know, like marketing ideas to really heighten engagement with mm-hmm. um, of your, of your franchise with a younger fan base. Yeah. And I can tell you that. Um, and if that's credible, I mean, if you, you basically come out with your own business plan and present it to them, that, that will wow a lot of, people they desperately team owners def- desperately need this yeah i agree i think i think it's about adapting and it's about um speaking like trying to attract a younger crowd um if if we look at soccer for example fifa i think fifa has done an amazing job of doing that personally mm-hmm. because i see they're like they're getting a lot of new uh, like more players like new players yeah. for example you know mbappe mbappe is like one of the players that a lot of young people are attracted to right now yep uh, because he's like he's a, he's like 22 years old or something i'm not exactly sure how old he is and he's like really he's an, he's amazing he's your prodigy and he's entertaining as well he's on a lot of um, sports media he's on a lot of interviews um, he's just really present, and I think, um, you know, the World Cup uh, that just happened and everything, you know, getting players like Messi and Ronaldo to play, it's like, it's it's sort of like nostalgic for like not only young people, but you know, sort of like uh, young young adults and even like people in their their thirties and forties to see that. So, I think um, FIFA, for example, they've done an amazing job. Um, at that, what do you think about uh, FIFA? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think they're one of the success stories, um, mm-hmm. you know, FIFA. I mean, even look, even in terms of uh, video games, right? I mean, that that's something that, you know, FIFA and I say NBA, they, they've done a great job. And also yeah. Formula One. I mean, wow, yeah. I've been a Formula One fan since the early 90s. You know, I've seen Center Race, for example. <laughs> and um, I mean, yeah, you know, that's largely due to Drive to Survive, but not only. I mean, the, the, the owner, Liber- Liberty Media, I mean, they really know their stuff. So, yeah, FIFA... Uh, Formula One, NBA, you know, done a fantastic job with um, with engaging younger fans. I think NFL's pretty good too, you know. But um, yeah, look, even, even NHL, there's a long and 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 minor league hockey. I've worked with some minor league teams here in Canada, and um, yeah, there's a long ways to go, you know. So there, there's a crying need actually for 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 younger people to come in with some social media ideas and. Hey, even if you're copying some of the, the the big boys and girls like FIFA, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, so so much to be done. You know, if if I were starting out, um, if I were like say in university or graduating, and I had that sort of interest and expertise, that's um, you know, expertise in social media. That's exactly what I'd be doing. That would be my pitch. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because um, we as a co-host, we we own a social media marketing agency, so. We offer, you know, marketing services to a lot of industries, and I think it'd be a really good idea for especially young people that are starting a new businesses today. You know, they have access to all this technology, all the, all these things. They should um, do marketing and start to take initiative themselves to actually promote these big brands and even small brands that are coming up to um, be more present on social media and have a bigger influence on the internet as opposed to um, everything being on paper, for example. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I can't say enough. And this is something I know, like from, I'll say the inside or just, you know, if, not, if it's not inside, it's my industry participation. There's such a need for that, um, you know, for, for, for younger people, you know, and also, I mean, another piece of advice I've learned just in, I want to talk about my, myself, but um, just because you're younger, you know, and you know, maybe you're lacking years of experience, you've got experience that other older people, like people say my age, you know, probably don't have um in social media in you know how, how to best engage um younger fans to follow say uh sports teams and you know don't don't be intimidated don't you know the phrase imposter syndrome don't fall victim to imposter syndrome mm-hmm. it's up to you um there's nothing wrong and you yeah you'll, you maybe love obstacles and you know arrogant people or you know that dismiss but i'm telling you there be persistent there's a lot out there uh, of, of people that they need that expertise. Like they're yeah, really they're relying good. on it. And, you know, it's, it's a new generation uh, showing all, all the older, older professionals, the team owners, how to, how to, you know, new things. Yeah. There's with. a lot to be done. Yeah. 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 So don't, don't, don't doubt yourself. And I feel like we're going to, about social media, you know, uh, it's really a part of our generation and it can get a lot more people than, you know, just like, you know, through uh, journals or TV and stuff. I feel like every young teenager is on social media and even young adults and even adults so i feel like it can get a lot of people out there and like you said i feel like um well nhl fifa and stuff like this they use uh social media really well to catch a lot of young people to do that and i feel like every team uh and every people should do that so um, yeah they, they should and they're not that's mm-hmm. my point there's a, there's a gap you know there's there's really an immediate need to be filled you know i mean i'm even seeing cool things along those lines like uh as i mentioned i do a lot in crypto and blockchain uh, there are some just starting out and they're, they're developing, say, NFTs um, to try to, you know, again, you know, people that understand mm-hmm. that, and, um, which, are, which are probably mostly younger people. And 
um, you know, I, I, I think it's a wonderful way to drive fan engagement. It's almost like creating a fan club. This gives you, if you buy an NFT, you have, you know, certain access, um, to let's say fan related events or discounts or what have you that, uh, many other, um, that non NFT holders don't have. Mm-hmm. Think about NFTs is like it, not only is it like a sort of a new trend among young people, it's also, um, a lot of uh, like really experienced business owners and uh, crypto people that are using nfts today because it's because whenever there's a new market for something and there's a new product and there's a new crypto chain like everybody's going to go at it so if major league uh like baseball or major league soccer or something they they do nfts it's going to attract like pretty much everybody that's in that sort of crypto space because at the end of the day it's 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 business management and it's it's uh it's 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 crypto so it's like marketing uh, in a sense yeah. so yeah yeah. So again, a lot, a lot of these, you know, I, I think it's quite exciting, you know, because I mean, it's, it's, it's continuing to build, um, you know, engagement for sports teams, create opportunities. It heightens value, you know, which is where I come, <laughs> you know, for the, yeah. for the, the team value, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, the, these opportunities are out there. So. And throughout your careers, uh, you have worked with many different people, um, you know, and is there anyone in particular who has inspired you throughout your career that you looked up to? Um, yeah, I mean, I can actually say that uh, it, it's, it's quite interesting. So I don't know how many you know, people out there will recognize the name. If you're in valuation, you will. But a gentleman named Richard Wise. Uh, and I worked when I moved to Montreal. I moved to Montreal in 1989 from New York City. I worked in Wall Street before that, which is pretty cool. But that's another uh, story for another time. Um, and I, so I worked with Richard for 18 years. Uh, I was I moved up to a principal at his firm, and he was demanding, um, but I consider him a mentor, even though he was a boss. I mean, a boss maybe you don't always say eye to eye or you complain or you know. But um, you know, after after I left the firm, uh, it would be 15 years ago. Um, we, we we maintained a friendship that's probably closer than ever. And looking back, it's really cool, uh, this gentleman, Richard Wise. And I mean, uh, I've got to say evaluation in my profession. It's, it's, it's one of the things that it developed in Canada before the United States, um, just due to, you know, many reasons, largely tax reasons. Um, Richard and another person were, Richard and another person were um, a competitor of his, were um, the two people in North America that really the godfathers of the valuation profession. So I had the benefit of working with them, developing uh, for 18 years, developing a, a strong friendship with Richard. And um, that was hugely influential um, to, you know, in, in my career. And I gotta say, he also pushed the heck out of me <laughs> and that, you know, to uh, really cracking the whip. But again, I think I'm a better, a better professional for it. And it's really funny because we're gonna have an interview with him. Uh, like Richard. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna have one. Um, wow. I'm pretty okay. sure either next week or the week before. So uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Okay. So, yeah, it's gonna be fun. So uh, yeah, it's funny that you said that uh, his name, and you know, we're we're having an interview with him. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll certainly pass on to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that we're talking, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you can talk to him a little bit about your experience in the podcast, uh, telling him a little bit about yeah. you know, how it's oh. going and everything. Yeah, Amazing. that's great. And he's super yeah. charming, eloquent, and boy, does he have yeah, he really is. a life experience. So yeah. that, that's great. And, you know, what qualities are really important for a colleague or a partner to have to work with you? Uh, there has to be 
Um, and I have two partners. I mean, I have more, you know, colleagues, but especially partners. I mean, there has to be implicit trust. Um, and especially in, in, in my case, because we're literally like we're working. I, I sometimes don't see that my, my partners face to face for it could be three weeks. You know, that's pretty common. Um, we're all around the world doing various you know, deals and valuation assignments. So you have to have that trust that, um, you know, every, you know, they're, they're working hard. I'm working hard. Uh, when you need them like 24 <clears> seven, <throat> you can contact them and rely on them and they'll get things done. I mean, it's, it's, it's really that it has to be that blind trust. Um, I, I view it a lot to, uh, I compare it a lot to a marriage. You know, I mean, because it's a different type of partner. It's not a life romantic partner. It's a business partner, but a lot of uh, common elements. I mean, you might have disagreements. It's all about how do you come to a consensus? You know, again, you have to ideally you uh, in, in a marriage, you have to have that blind trust. You know, you're not with them probably 24 um, seven. You trust them. You don't worry about it. The same with your business partners, you know, and, and, and I guess finally, uh, trust aside, you have to have a cohesive vision. Again, if if you know maybe there are a few things that you you disagree on, um, you know have a, have a you know a sincere, polite conversation to try to come to a consensus. And where maybe you do have different strengths or aptitudes or or or, or uh, goals, well maybe it's like okay, you know what, then best suit your your talents and desires and um, you know, what you want to do. I mean, maybe, okay, if you want to take care of this industry or this market or do something a certain way, then you do it. And the others don't have to, if, mm -hmm. I, if I'm making sense. I, th I think having like two people having the same aligned vision help us build chemistry as well. Yeah. Would you say that? Like, like literally the way you guys work together, the way you operate, the way you uh, give information to each other, I think it helps build that chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to consider, um, my two partners have been close, you know, close personal friends. I mean, mm -hmm. you gotta keep the personal business of course, at times at a distance, but, um, yeah. you know, that chemistry is huge. I mean, at least for me, that's, that's how I like to, that's how I like to uh, operate my career. Well, thank you for being here uh, today, Mr. Dorwheeler. Uh, George and I really had a great time talking uh, with you. You know, we talked about, you know, uh, stuff legal stuff finance and uh we really we, we really sorry enjoyed it and uh thank you again for being out here okay well thank you thank you for inviting me and you know again best of luck to you and also to any any listeners thank you oh so. yeah thank you so okay thank you everyone for watching hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you on the next episode goodbye everyone bye bye